0: I'm Joel McKenzie, and this is Arts NW. You're listening to the Arts NW podcast, brought to you by the Arts Council of New Westminster and sponsored by 100 Braid Street Studios. New Westminster, British Columbia, Canada is a growing city. It's an area of land that people have lived in for thousands of years. It was and is home to the Coast Salish peoples of the Kekite First Nation, and near to the traditional lands of many other indigenous nations. All this land has a rich history of art and heritage. New Westminster, and the name New Westminster, came from Queen Victoria in 1859, named for her favourite district in London, and as the capital of the land the British once simply called Columbia now with housing prices in neighboring vancouver among the highest in the world new west is emerging as its own as people especially young ones move in it's a city that in many ways represents the whole greater vancouver area it's ancient even though colonized history often suggests it's not the city's multicultural where identity is often discussed and often unsettled and it's rapidly expanding beyond its size how can we talk about the art that's made here this is what arts ArtsNW is made to discover. But questions about art often don't really get to the heart of the matter. When we ask, what is your art? Or worse, what is art? We're really looking for a simpler question. We're looking for a question with an answer. These questions with answers, they're what we're calling seasons. Each season of arts w will be led by a single question with an answer. In our first season, we're looking at inspiration. For every episode of season 1, I walk with artists into a creation space. What's in that studio? That bedroom or that patio? Why did they hang that thing? Why did they write that word? In season 1 of Arts and W, we ask, "What's on your walls?" Your, your idea is an interesting one.
1: However, it's too uh, it's too restrictive actually because it it's, it posits that everybody has stuff on their walls that is of interest to talk about. And that may not be true.
0: That's John Oliver, a New West-based composer, performer, and teacher. He's written countless pieces of music including for the Canadian Opera Company, National Arts Centre Orchestra, Vancouver Symphony, and more. And he's won the Classical Composition of the Year Award at the 2013 Western Canadian Music Awards and he's been composer-in-residence at several places and he doesn't think his walls are that important
1: people's creative environments uh, vary uh, depending entirely on the individual so
0: john brings up an important point that not everything on someone's walls is inspiring and people don't draw inspiration from one place and this is especially true for a musician where we sit isn't actually his primary writing space it's a practice and teaching room We're surrounded by a piano, music stands, and instruments, ranging from guitars to xylophones, but also awards, paintings, and memories. Even if he was skeptical, I was curious. The question that we start with is, what's on your walls? Well, that's an easy question to answer, because I'm looking at the two
1: things that are of historical interest uh, in terms of my career and the reason they're on the wall is because they were early successes. The first is a poster of La Tribune Nationale des Jeunes Compositeurs, which is Québécois for the National Tribune of Young Composers, which was a concert competition. I won for two compositions. I was the only composer to actually be
0: awarded two prizes. How about this other one from 1991, you said? Was that the season that, that you were involved in, in this?
1: Uh, yeah, The so the other is a poster of the Canadian Opera Company 1990-91 season. And the name of my first opera is their as the season closer, the Canadian Opera Company had decided to change the Composer in Residence program from uh, a program that would have three composers writing little mini operas to uh, invest in a single Canadian composer and I was the first composer to be a beneficiary of that new system.
0: So why did John choose to hang these on his wall?
1: Well they are the first things and first things are always uh, Memorable, you know, Mm -hmm. first love is always memorable. Uh, First things are things we celebrate. Um, They aren't the greatest achievements that I've ever made, for sure. Yeah. They specifically don't inspire me. They just simply, if I need to be reminded, (laughs)
0: uh, they remind me uh, where I started. I find in my home I don't really look at the things on my walls that I found very inspiring when I first put them up, and then I just forget about them. They're just everyday life. Is is that? Do you get that same feeling from from any of these? Yeah, um, essentially uh, the the rest of
1: the things that are on the walls aren't even worth talking about particularly. <laughs> so. um, it's just because uh, once you put them up, that you've you've uh, made your uh your statement you've gone through the process of uh of of honoring whatever it was that motivated you to to do that yeah Uh, but once that moment is gone of hanging it uh it immediately starts to to fall off your radar it's like a new car
0: right (laughs) you know yeah it's not a new car anymore it's it's up on the wall now right Okay, so John and I agree we tend to forget about the things that are actually on our walls, but the thing is we still choose to hang them up, we still keep them there, we still seek out creative, inspiring environments. So uh, the thing is that the mind of a composer
1: is uh, always busy with making music, and so it's it's quite a uh, it's not a visual world; it's a sonic world. So right. Um, I'm certainly someone who can easily
0: ignore my visual environment when I'm when I'm creating music. I see. So do you what do you value in a uh creative space then if you ignore the visual environment? Uh that the air is fresh. Oh yeah. <laughs> that the temperature's right. Yeah. And, and and that's that's about it. That's interesting. So so you're focused on on oral and feeling and perhaps olfactory that's it my greatest inspiration
1: actually happens outside the space um after i've been working for a while and the problems are unresolved or whatever the the music's not entirely going um i leave the space yeah and i go for a walk or i do something else and uh
0: oftentimes it's when i leave the space that the inspiration comes do you think, is that the, the movement that that comes from or just you need a new space? No, I think
1: the brain, it gets tired and it works on something for a while in a, with a certain attitude and in a certain way. Yeah. And then the brain needs to relax, to let those things bounce around in a nice unorganized way up there somewhere. And, uh, and that, that's when so-called inspiration comes, right? You know, uh, Um, and I I think that's kind of an old story you you gotta let both things happen if you just sit at your desk and work, 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 work yeah. well, uh, I don't know if that's going to necessarily be good for the product uh, and good for your inspiration the creative process requires downtime, it requires relaxation it requires um, time when you appear to be doing nothing (laughs) yeah, right (laughs)
0: look at those lazy artists hanging around doing nothing (laughs) yeah So if you're not from New West, or even if you are, you might be wondering, why New West? Why this small town? Well, the common thread between all of these artists is this town. They all live here in a city that's becoming more filled with artists every day. John has lived in the city for years, so I wanted to know his opinion about living in this notoriously small Vancouver satellite, so to speak. Is there something inherently special about being an artist in New West?
1: Um, well... You know, I was born and raised in Vancouver and uh, I love the sea and uh, the culture in Vancouver is exciting. There's lots going on. But one of the things that's really important to me is the community that I live in. Okay. Precisely because I'm going to go out for a walk. And when I go out for a walk, I want to go into an environment that is really now here's where we get to visually stimulating yeah i i actually want my community to be a visually stimulating place and uh, so when i go for a walk and my brain is no longer Supposedly no longer in music mode. I'm walking through neighborhoods that I like. Uh, I can walk to a commercial area that I like and so on. New West is perfect for that. I can walk out my front door to Queen's Park to go for a, a walk in nature. Or I can walk over to Uptown. It's got all the amenities I need, you know. and uh, Or go down to Columbia Street for, for a different experience.
0: This small town has everything going for it we're going to take a moment to acknowledge our sponsor this season 100 braid street studios 100 braid street is a co-working arts studio for new westminster and lower mainland artists based in a warehouse and former winery on 100 braid street new westminster The studio acts as an incubator for emerging artists to move into the professional realm and for professional artists to grow. The studio encourages out-of-the-box artistic exploration and supports the public through workshops, classes, events, and meetings. It has room for resident artists, companies looking for team-building paint events, someone interested in just starting to paint, or even couples planning their wedding. Check them out at 100braidstreetstudios.com. So that's why...
1: Why New West and and not Vancouver? Vancouver's big. You essentially have to drive anywhere or take transit. Uh, In New West, I can walk
0: everywhere. It's very small, right? Yeah. Small, but uh, very concentrated. So for John, it's the size. And I think this is becoming more common across the world as it rapidly becomes more urbanized. More city centers or areas of concentration are emerging. Greater Vancouver especially is seeing backyards disappear as higher-density housing becomes the norm. More people are looking to expand into public living rooms or city centres. Seeking these is also common to artists whose work relies so much on a sizable community. For me, as someone who lived here for about a year, or in John's words, as an honorary New West resident, my love of the city comes down to the same. I want to say that it's the art events, the historical buildings that I pass by constantly, or the community of people that I know. But all in all, it's the concentration. Anyways, there's still a lot of stuff on John's walls. I want to talk about what's happening musically in this room. You said you have the piano that you don't, you don't necessarily compose on. But I see a singing bowl, and this flute but is that flute of no importance it's a cone it's a thai
1: bamboo mouth organ um can't remember how i came across it but it does represent you know world music culture in a sense and uh you know i also have drums on top of the piano uh you know i have a a frame drum which i studied at a workshop many years ago and then there's another um little six-note xylophone from probably somewhere in Africa, which happens to have the exact same notes as the theme uh, from my work for orchestra yeah. called Upwind, and uh, I, I played those notes, I can't remember, I was in a, you know, a, um, what do you call it, A, a some kind of uh, used shop um probably on commercial drive and yeah. I, I just was stunned. I played those notes and I, I said that, that's the music I'm writing right now. <laughs> that's ridiculous. At the same times you were writing. I it? was writing the piece uh, or I had finished just finished writing it yeah, and I ran across this instrument and I just had to buy it because I played Whoa. those five notes and the, those five notes were the exact opening five notes of my piece. No way yeah so um, things have that kind of value um, to me. Like a serendipitous value? Yeah, that was a serendipitous value. But just to show that uh, music, musical notes and scales and stuff can be found all over the world and in various cultures of the world. And you could be using the same five notes as some African instrument. and uh, And they would obviously play this instrument a lot differently than the five notes of my piece, which do not right. sound African at all.
0: John is very inspired by different sounds. The instruments around the room tell a story of how he writes for instruments and how he's inspired by the music from different cultures. Uh, Without getting into geek talk, um, (laughs) essentially music
1: vibrates according to nature in a lot of world music cultures, but in Western music, we tuned. The, we made a tuning system that makes uh, makes it possible for us to play in a bunch of different starting notes or what are called musical keys. But to do that, we have to make everything a little bit out of tune. Yeah. So Western music is always just a little bit out of tune. And that gives it a certain kind of unsettled quality uh, when you compare it for example, to Indian music, which has a single sound and all of its glorious overtones just coming into the space, filling it up with one sound. And on top of that one sound, you carve melodic material that that vibrates in relation to that one sound. So it creates the dissonances over time in a linear way with a melody. Um, it creates various sort of tremblings of of dissonance and consonance through melodic
0: process which we don't do in the west very much. John describes how music relation can have this serendipitous quality. Sound can be broken up into virtually infinite numbers of smaller units yet we can still have so much in common in music between cultures. He wrote one piece on a piano that was split into 96 different notes all within the same octave.
1: The reason I was attracted to that division is, is because you can compose the temperament. What it means is that you can actually go between one of the great achievements of Western culture, which is this thing that is the piano and equal temperament, and you can go back into ancient music, which is based on resonance.
0: The instruments within John's space symbolize how he thinks about instruments and sound. Here he talks about writing for one specific instrument, not playing it, but rather using how the instrument makes sound.
1: Early on, I decided to stay away from, as much as possible, stay away from writing music at a musical instrument because I wanted to avoid the idiom of that instrument influencing the music too much. Okay. So uh, early on, for the same reason that I'm interested in human perception, I'm interested in how musical instruments work. Yeah. So if I'm going to write for a musical instrument, it's not just a concept that I impose on musical instruments. I want to make sure I understand how the musical instruments work and how they talk, how they make noise, how they communicate, what's their functioning, and I want to write idiomatically for all of the instruments. Of course, that's the job of a composer is to know how the instruments work, but oftentimes the music itself uh, will will tend to be structured according to principles that may, may or may not be taking that into account. So from a starting point, my music will have the resonating properties of the instrument
0: involved in making the music for the instrument. I asked John if he was challenging the limits of Western music.
1: Yeah, well, no, I'm I'm not challenging it. I'm just uh, pointing out that there, there are other ways of hearing, and the other ways of hearing are uh, different and worth looking into. Yeah. And... Uh, I'm interested in hybrids because i I was born and raised in a hybrid culture, and so for me, a hybrid is a normal thing, yeah, and for me, that's an authentic representation of my culture because my culture, which essentially comes out of me in my place and my experience is is a hybrid culture yeah, without going into details about you know what percentage or whatever <laughs> it's it's not really relevant, but the main concept of being open to various cultures, that is my culture. And uh, I think that at the end of the day, that would represent to varying degrees most people's experience of an authentic Canadian culture would be something that you can't identify by some other nation or some other nation's culture. Yeah, You would identify it as the experience that you're having here right now and that experience is your own experience sort of interacting with others who are around you and so that's why i always say culture is is here now so anyway that's uh, that's why i was attracted to that system of of uh, you know breaking up the tuning system so that it's so
0: refined that you could go anywhere with it do you think your writing then informs uh bc culture specifically or or would that be more individualistic like you were saying it's an expression of yourself well you know uh
1: people make things and um as soon as they make something it contributes to culture and and uh so culture is whatever anybody is doing right um i'm i'm trying to I'm just doing what I do, and I sometimes describe what I do uh, these days as omniculture rather than a hybrid because uh, it it's 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 taking influences from many places and they're kind of all variously mixing together. and uh, you know I, i'm not I'm not trying to be any kind of pure anything. I, uh, it would be the opposite. I'm not trying to be impure either. It's it's actually got nothing to do with purity or impurity. It's just a mix. It's a complete blend. And um I, I, and that is going to be the blend that I would make. So another composer would make a different blend entirely. Right. So I, I have no problem with this kind of mixing of of these things. Um yeah. it's part
0: of you know part of uh, my expression. John's ideas about culture seem especially relevant in BC. One's own culture can be a mix of several here, as it is everywhere, but it it seems to be uniquely celebrated in BC and perhaps in Canada. John found his own way to represent his unique interpretation of this in his music. It's been good
1: talking to you about these things. I, I hope that my walls have informed your listeners in some ways and uh it, it led us to other
0: topics exactly which is where we were supposed to go yeah that was perfect yeah great thank you so much it All was right. great talking to you thank you you too the walls of john's practice studio show how he sees his own artistic practice its decorations represent his career from tokens of success to tokens of inspiration that keep his eyes bright as he discusses what drives his work The symbols on the wall may no longer be as thrilling as a new, shiny car. But if we can remember why they're there, why we once loved them enough to put them up, maybe we can hold on to inspiration and keep our creative lives endlessly interesting and fulfilling. So what's on your walls? You can find more of John's work at johnolivermusic.com, where you can hear his music, see where he's performing next, and sign up for his mailing list. Thanks for listening. The Arts and W podcast is recorded on the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish peoples of the Kikite Nation, as well as all Coast Salish nations. We are honored to live and work here. We welcome your support of this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation, please do so at acnw.ca slash donate. If you pledge more than $5 per month, you'll get your name mentioned at the end of every upcoming episode. I make these episodes and the music. If you want to hear more of what I do, go to joelmckenzie.ca. Special thanks to JJ Lee for helping with the concept of this podcast, and to Stephen O'Shea for being endlessly supportive.